welcome to the podcast Love to Heal. I'm Yulia, your guide on the journey of self-discovery, healing, and spiritual growth. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Love to Heal. Today, I will be talking about food for the soul. But first, let's talk about how traditional medicine historically speaking, has always treated the body, not realizing that through the body, we also affect the soul. Meanwhile, religion historically healed the soul. So religion used to, and sometimes still does, promote harsh attitudes toward the body, restraining its needs and sometimes causing pain. For example, In Catholicism, there's the silas, which used to be a garment of some rough cloth worn in the form of a shirt or as a girdle around the loins. And it was used for mortification and penance. In Christianity, self-flagellation is another spiritual discipline of the doctrine of mortification of the flesh. While I'm here to tell you that there's absolutely no need to afflict pain to yourself in order to help the soul, it is important to understand why religions used, or still do, um, promote self-afflicted pain. I will expand on this in a bit. To contrast, what today's medicine does is remove pain and disease, which is great for the physical body, but quite detrimental to the soul. Medicine is increasingly invading spiritual structures and destroying them. As modern medicine continues to work miracles on the body, it becomes more and more soulless. And this is a big issue because the body and the soul are inseparable. In Western medicine, the body is much high, of much higher importance than the soul. And for this reason, both doctors and patients simply dismiss the health and needs of the soul, only to wonder later why so many misfortunes have appeared in their lives or the lives of their kids and grandkids. We can tell from experience that the body and the soul are connected but moving in different directions. Author and philosopher Sergei Lazarev gives a great example of this. If you build a school, dress a child in a school uniform, and find good teachers, This will give the child development. But if you do not give the child the foundations of morality, which come primarily through limiting his or her desires, if you do not teach the child at his or her expense to take care of others, then the physical principle transferred to the spiritual will not produce creation, but rather destruction. Misfortune and illnesses are directly related or linked to the state of the soul. The health of the soul will sooner or later catch up with the health of the body or the well-being. A healthy body does not always mean a healthy soul. Some people experience great health but have no future, meaning there's death or some unfortunate event in their energy field waiting to happen. The soul is cleansed by love, through which we unite with God. As long as helping the body, 
does not harm the soul, medicine can be helpful. If, however, for the patient, the interests of the body come first, medicine will either be powerless or harm the soul. This is why some treatments are effective to some people, but not effective to others. This is why when a cancer is, let's say, cut out, if the soul has not been helped, the body will be sick again. The cancer will either come back in a different spot or in a different shape and form, or the illness of the soul will manifest as a misfortune in life. Simply put, if the soul is not addressed and treated, if no lesson has been learned from the disease or illness, the medicine, all the medicine will do is put a temporary band-aid on the boo-boo, so to speak. We must learn to address the problem at the root instead of the surface. This is also why I'm personally weary of energy work, such as Reiki. Practitioners can and do feel where energy may have stagnated and they can move it or guide it to promote healing, but then all they're doing is moving the illness around because they're not addressing the crucial question, why did energy stagnate in that particular spot of the body in the first place? The patient may feel relief for some time, only to face more illness or misfortunes later on, not even realizing that the energy block moved but didn't resolve the core issue. Many people pray to help their bodies or to improve their state of affairs. What happens is that fear arises for the body, for the life. We don't want to be ill or die, of course. But if you begin to worry about your life, your survival, doubts in the Creator also arise, followed by the loss of hope and courage. Fear and anticipation are actually closely related. The more a person focuses on his well-being, forgetting the soul, the more he expects a speedy recovery, and the more fruitless his attempts at recovery become. Remember, fear is a clear indicator of disbelief in God. It is a renunciation of love. We have to choose either love or fear. So now let's talk about sacrifice. And I'm not referring to a physical sacrifice here, like slaughtering an animal as an offering to God. <laughs> this doesn't pertain to modern spirituality. However, giving up something earthly that is of value to us in order to help our soul still remains very effective. Examples of sacrifice are, for example, fasting, giving up time when volunteering, being a parent due to all the sleepless nights and giving the best to our children, etc. Let me go a little deeper into some of these concepts. Everyone wishes to be happy. And for many, 
happiness is the absence of negativity. The more positive emotions a person receives, the happier he or she is. Or so it is believed. But awakened people will understand that happiness includes not only the fulfillment of desires, but also their abandonment. Happiness is love that is dialectical. Remember I talked about this? God's love comes in pluses and minuses. Here, I, I like another example that uh, Sergei Lazarev makes. Imagine that a person sits down to eat at a table laden with all sorts of delicious food. The person begins to eat and experiences pleasant emotions. However, if this person continues to eat without stopping, his positive emotions will gradually turn into negative ones. And if he doesn't stop in time, if he overeats, he will feel probably gastrointestinal pains or he may vomit or will face some other terrible outcome. At this point, I can't help but remember a disturbing scene from a movie called Seven, where a serial killer targets people that represent one of the seven deadly sins. And uh, in this specific instance, in order to kill his victim, he literally overfeeds a man. And this, of course, represents gluttony, one of the deadly sins. Most people nowadays know the simple method of maintaining a healthy weight, but many don't follow it. All you need to do is leave the table a little hungry. In other words, to give up pleasure before it has reached its peak. Unfortunately, most people will continue to stuff their mouths until literally there's no more room in the stomach. This, by the way, is the trouble with all-you-can-eat buffets. These are dangerous for people who have low self-control. Similarly, the all-inclusive resorts where drinks and food are always available in astounding quantities can be very detrimental to our bodies and souls. I know so many people, myself included, that got sick in these resorts because we simply lose control and give in to all the available included pleasures. And all these pleasures are for the body, but we forget completely about the soul. Yes, too much of a good thing can be bad. And now let's turn to religion for a lesson in this regard. All religions of the world call for abstinence and detachment in an attempt to balance the human desire for continuous positive emotions. As religions weaken, a consumer society emerges in which the motto is the continuous search for pleasure. Unfortunately, the side effect of the consumer pleasure-seeking society is the loss of moral guidelines and an incorrect perception of the world. So what happens is that if we don't learn to control our desires, 
our desires will be controlled for us. When a person eats too much, experiences constant pleasure, and forgets about his soul, a cold or the flu becomes a perfect reminder of what matters most. When we're sick, we don't care about food or sex or travel. We give our body the rest it needs and a time to reflect spiritually. This is where religions come in handy because they tell you, they remind you when to fast, when to give up certain foods, as in the case of Lent, for instance, in Christianity, or Yom Kippur in Judaism, or Ramadan in Islam. And it becomes easier to observe these practices when others around you do it as well, because there's a support system. You see, a non-spiritual person is accustomed to relating sacrifice to something painful, something you must part with forever, or something that makes you unhappy. In reality, though, for an awakened person, sacrifice stands for the happiness of gaining divine love. A common misconception is that sacrifice always means self-destruction. But instead, it is a limitation of the earthly for the sake of a greater feeling of divine love. Historically, restrictions on food, sex, and desire for material wealth were considered positive. Today, many people perceive these restrictions as inferiority, weakness, or even stupidity. But you can't always fight the physiology of the body and the essence of the soul. For instance, by getting up from the table slightly hungry, you ensure that the lack of external energy from food is compensated by the active development of internal energy. If you constantly overeat, you will likely experience indigestion, obesity, and diabetes because food can kill the divine or life energy. When you overload the physical body with external energy, like food, sex, and entertainment, what happens is that external energy displaces the divine energy as a competitor. The more our society praises pleasure and constant pursuit of the external well-being, whether it be taking antidepressants, drinking, sleeping with multiple partners, overeating, or any other activity that is not beneficial for the development of the soul, the more our civilization morally decays. The decay, of course, leads to broken families, sick children, and deformation of the emotional sphere of people. Interestingly enough, while it used to be difficult for people to survive physically, now it's become difficult for people to survive morally. But let's get back to food for a moment, and let's look at how it affects our soul and spiritual well-being. A very varied diet, while delicious and pleasant on the eye, actually takes a lot of strength from the body. Therefore, 
the simpler and more monotonous your diet, the more strength you will have to work on yourself. In other words, instead of going out to eat a different kind of meal every day or cooking fancy dishes at home to please the palate, try to institute an easy, simple diet that is not overly salty or sweet or fatty. Of course, when it comes time to celebrate a birthday or a big holiday, by all means, go all out. But this should not be the norm. Similarly, if you're always doing something fun, running around, going out to theaters and movies, partying nonstop, traveling, having sex, when you don't give your body, mind, and soul significant breaks, you waste away your life energy, and this results in disease or misfortunes. I don't really get sick anymore, but this winter, I felt the onset of a cold. So I started to fast. I fasted for a day and a half, praying, taking it easy, and my symptoms vanished. I'm telling you, giving yourself a break is absolutely necessary, and it works. In our modern, pleasure-driven society, we don't get a lot of breaks for true rest, reflection, and mindfulness. We have forgotten how to be with ourselves. Just be. Every time I see a person walking down the street, they're either looking down at their phone ignoring the world around them, or they have their headphones in, tuning out the sounds of nature and life in general. It's almost as if it's no longer cool to just take a stroll with yourself down the street. It's seen as pathetic if you go to a cafe by yourself and don't have a screen in front of you. If we're not on a phone, computer, or by a TV, we're surely in company of others at work, at home, at the gym. But whatever happened to being just with ourselves? The universe is within us. All the knowledge and love is accessible to us if we learn to sit still, to listen to the voice of our soul. If you have awakened, you have decided to live in order to increase the divine in your soul, you have already become happy, and no one can take this happiness away from you. True happiness will never be on the outside because everything we have on the outside is temporary, and we will lose it. The feelings of joy and love that we carry in our souls bring us real happiness, and they stem from the love of God. To the extent that we retain feelings of joy and love in our soul, despite setbacks and mishaps and diseases, the easier it is for us to see the root cause in everything. And to the extent that we feel and see God in everything, the happier and more at peace we are. I keep straying from the topic of food, so let me go back to it one more time and just recap. If you want to be healthy, both on the physical and spiritual levels, institute a simple, low-calorie, more monotonous diet because 
rich, high-calorie meals result in an excess of external energy, which is a competitor to the divine energy or the energy of love. Bread, sweets, a high-calorie protein diet. When you eat all this in large quantities, it becomes detrimental to the body and soul. And who can argue? Look at the U.S. and the obesity rates. Donuts and junk food sure taste good, but what have they done to our bodies? Unhappy people find joy in eating, and so they stuff their mouths in an attempt to fill this void in the soul. Furthermore, looking at the subtle energy level, Abundant protein foods actually enhance a person's concentration on a prosperous life. The liver synthesizes proteins, an organ which is associated with the future. So, an excess amount of proteins along with calories increases concentration on the future. In contrast, a low-calorie diet and a reduction in protein foods stimulate the activation of subtle energy, and the soul comes alive. Historically, saints avoided rich, high-calorie foods, meat, and sweets, because they felt that their soul was suffering because of this type of diet. It's no coincidence that there's a saying that says something like, feeds on the Holy Spirit, something along those lines. For the purity of the soul, faith, love, and morality are necessary, and to maintain them, a correct lifestyle and nutrition are critical. Physical exercises, creative activities, time spent in nature, all this stimulates internal energy and helps the soul develop. Periodic restrictions in food, sex, and pleasure also aid the purification of the soul. I can't help but reminisce about my childhood and the simpler times in the 80s. In Soviet Union, we didn't have access to all the variety of food that is available to us now, here, especially in the United States. But I truly believe this kept us healthy. A standard breakfast consisted of porridge, then soup or salad for lunch, and uh, some kind of potatoes for dinner. A snack would have been a carrot or an apple or some kind of fruit or vegetable. I remember for New Year's, we would be treated to the in-season oranges or clementines. That was such a treat for us. And there was no junk food, no bars, no puddings, no candy of 1,000 different flavors and colors, no preservatives, no food dyes. And guess what? Never ever in my time of growing up in Russia did I meet a person with any kind of food allergy. It was simply non-existent. And then I come to the U.S. in late 90s, and what do I discover? Stores bursting with Varieties of everything you can possibly think of. 
but so many sick people, and allergies to nuts and dairy and gluten. I am still blown away by what is happening in our society. Plus, the time we spend outdoors, hours upon hours of games and creative fun spent amongst nature, no matter the season or the temperature, we were not in front of screens like our kids are today, and we are, adults as well. Sometimes I really wish we could go back to simpler times. In conclusion, remember, the real happiness is inside you, and it's not dependent on external pleasures. Find time to be with yourself, with nature. Give your body and mind breaks from the overload of food, information, and entertainment. Treat your body with respect. After all, it is a temple, a vessel for your precious soul in this life. Love it by feeding it natural and nourishing foods made with love and not in a chain junk food joint. Fast when you feel your body needs a break and pray through these breaks. Don't lose sight of love. Express gratitude to our Creator. And when you feel healthy and the energy of love once again flows freely through you, begin to share it with others. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please follow me on your favorite podcasting app so that you can know every time I post a new episode. And I would like to leave you today with a quote by William Henry Channing, an American writer and philosopher. Enjoy. To live content with small means, to seek elegance rather than luxury, and refinement rather than fashion, to be worthy, not respectable, and wealthy, not rich, to listen to stars and birds, babes and sages with open heart, to study hard, to think quietly, act frankly, talk gently, await occasions, hurry never. In a word, to let the spiritual, unbidden and unconscious grow up through the common. Thank you.